60. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We remain seated for our second reading, which is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, reading from verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we feel before our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you face to face, And restore whatever is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Just as we abound in love for you. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness. That you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This, again, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We stand now as Chris brings us our gospel reading and preaches. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory Glory be you, O Lord. There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig trees and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourself and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life, and that the day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth, Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Amen. Do sit down. So, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you this morning, and uh, good morning to everybody who's listening online as well. Before I I speak, shall we just pray? (coughs) Father, we thank you that it's right that we give you the glory. We thank you that you're with us here this morning. And I pray that through these words you would open our hearts and minds to you, that we might receive the love that you have for us and share that with others. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think Advent is such a special time of the year, isn't it? It's a time, as we've heard, for looking forward. Forward to the fast-approaching celebration of Christmas. And forward to the coming of Jesus again. It's also traditionally a time for preparation. For making sure that we're ready. Ready for Jesus. Now, I'm sorry if my reference to the fast approaching Christmas is uh, a bit unwelcome, a sort of wake-up call, and you're not quite ready for it. But um, I know it gets so, so busy, doesn't it? And the big rush seems to come upon us so quickly. And we've only got four weeks to go. Anyway, I do hope you are looking forward to Christmas. It's such a lovely time of the year for so many But of course I know it's also a very challenging time for some. And our hearts go out to all those who might not be looking forward to Christmas this year. But however you feel about the approaching season of Christmas, I hope that you're all comforted by the underlying message of Advent and Christmas. That God has fulfilled his promise in Jesus. That he has come to be amongst us. And that we can all live in the truth and certainty that this life is not the end, but rather a preparation for something so much better. It's a time to look forward with excitement and expectation, not just because of seeing friends and family and celebrating and partying. And that's all good, even though we may have to be just a little bit more muted again this year. Um, But it's especially good, isn't it? It's a precious time to remember the coming of Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? So that all who believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A gift beyond all gifts. Life everlasting. Whatever this world throws at us, we should be the happiest people on earth because we have the assurance of everlasting life with Jesus. And it's all because of our amazing King Jesus that Helen told us about last week. Today I want to look at these Advent themes in the context of the passages before us and to think about the past, what was said and what was promised, to think about the future, what is to come, both for the imminent celebration of Christmas and also for the second coming of Jesus. But I also want to remind us that we live in the present, in the moment when we already have Christ within us. So briefly, the past. The coming of Jesus was announced and proclaimed centuries earlier. The prophets, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah, who we've already heard from, and many others, that the Savior would come to put things right, 
The one who would pronounce forgiveness and righteousness for all who believe and follow him. Jesus was that one that was announced, that would break the hold of sin, would end fear of death, and who proclaims a new beginning, a new Jerusalem, a time when there would be no more tears or crying, where the lion would lie down with the lamb, where freedom would be proclaimed and the captives set free forever. The Old Testament reading from Jeremiah reminded us that God would fulfill his promise that he made to Israel and to Judah, that he would bring a righteous branch to rise up in the spring of David, and that he would, in those days, bring for Judah, would be saved, and Jerusalem would live in safety, and that it would all be called The Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah was writing 600 years before Christ came. And yet we see God's promise to his people that the time would come when he would fulfill that promise to Israel and Judah, that righteousness would be established. This was the promise of the coming Messiah, the coming of Jesus, to bring righteousness to his people and to set us free from sin and and from the fear and power of death. And actually, as you may know, there was a period of around 400 years of silence before Jesus came. A terrible time for Israel and for the world. But then Jesus came, ushering in a new era of light. The light of Christ shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never overcome it. God's journey plan is for the world to move from darkness into light from separation from God to unity with God, from estrangement into intimacy, that he would truly be our God and we would truly be his people. So for most passwords of Jeremiah looking forward to Jesus, we move to Jesus looking forward, this time to his return. And we read, we read in Luke 21... There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the seas and the waves. I don't know about you, but these first verses of the gospel today seem incredibly relevant in the context of climate change, in the context of COP22 and the talks and agreements and potential actions that might follow, as well as the demonstrations that we've seen, all reminding us of the centrality of our planet to our everyday life and its vulnerability. And actually, to our role and responsibility in stewarding what happens to it today. Today's passages talk about the decay of the world, of the impact of the forces of nature with signs in the sun, moon and stars, and on earth, distress among the nations. Now, we don't know when or how God will bring about those massive changes that will take place in our world, nor what will trigger the other events that are spoken about in the Bible relating to the end times. But there are signs, signs for us to see now, signs that remind us that one day all this will end, and we need to decide how we're going to respond to that. We need to decide now. The passage describes how people will fear, sorry, will feel when the end is near. 
People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. And then it says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Wow. That's going to be quite a moment, isn't it? At one level, it's absolutely amazing. And yet, demonstrably terrifying at the same time. But take heart, brothers and sisters. The next sentence is a sentence of hope and revelation for us all. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. We don't need to be fearful of the coming of Jesus. For those who have given their lives to Christ and have Jesus as their saviour, this will be a day of glorious fulfilment when we can stand up and raise our heads. We will be taken up with Christ. Our imperfections changed in a twinkling of the eye. We will be redeemed and move to eternity with Christ. Now today is not a day to go into all the detail of end times. But it is perhaps a day to reflect on the difference for those for whom Jesus is their saviour and those who don't see it that way. I think it's also important to notice that Jesus, in that passage we read, gives a warning to all that are present, including the disciples. Although he has said a couple of verses earlier that they will have all they need, they will not be alone, they'll be given what they need to cope with the persecution they'll face. But Jesus says to all listening, be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Now these are strong words, aren't they? They're strong warnings to all those that are listening, that their hearts are fickle and can be distracted and led astray. And Paul picks up this theme in his letter to the Thessalonians in the second part of the passage after he's kind of given that welcome bit. And he says, And may the Lord may, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. You see, Paul obviously recognizes the importance of their and actually our attitude and behavior before our Heavenly Father and the significance of Christ's coming again. Importantly, he demonstrates this by continuing to pray for the Thessalonians, asking the Lord to strengthen them and to increase their love for each other and for everyone, that they may live out the gospel and be blameless before Christ. And that's part of our message today, part of our Advent message, is to prepare for Advent and the coming of Jesus. It's not just thinking about the coming, not just thinking about Christmas or Jesus coming back. It's about being prepared now, living out the gospel today now where we are and being ready for his challenge be ready for the things that we'll face today and tomorrow we too need to pray that we'll be strengthened by Christ 
Paul's prayer is that we would be strong in holiness and blameless and that we would not take the path of disobedience and weakness to sin and fear. As Christians, of course, it's right that we should look forward to Christmas and to Jesus coming again. And we should do this with hope and expectation. Expectation of a new and better life with Christ, both today and forever. And we should be encouraged that the light of Christ lives and rules in our hearts. But don't be fooled. The end will come, so don't just dismiss it. But until that happens, we need to live our lives to make a difference. We're living in tough times for sure. And we can all see that. But we're all called to be light in a dark world. We need to stand firm with the help of the Holy Spirit against the world and against our desires to be selfish and to follow dark ways. We know what we should do. We know our destination. It is to be with Christ. And he continues to call us to himself. The closer we walk with him, the clearer we will hear his voice. But as we step further away, that voice can seem quieter and less powerful. It isn't. But don't make life more difficult than it needs to be by turning from him or hiding from Jesus. Stay connected. Stay connected to Christ and connected to each other. But together we may live in the light and shine brightly enough to welcome others and to help show them the way. Today's passage reminds us that there's more to come. We should look beyond today to the eternity that God has for us. We should be looking and preparing for what is to come. Jesus will come again and all the plans will come to fruition. And we need to play our part here and now. The passage encourages us to read the signs, to see things unfolding as Jesus said they would. The signs of the fig tree point to the coming of summer. So do the things that are upon us now, pointing to the end of the age, the time when Jesus will return. Significantly, time is running out for others to hear the message of Jesus Christ as God's Son and as mankind's Saviour. The truth is, and we know this, Jesus is already here. Jesus lives in our hearts, and he is near to all who want to reach out to him. He's here for everyone. You just have to ask. Today is an opportunity for everyone listening to reach out to God. To ask Jesus to come into our lives. To confess that we've got it wrong. And to receive forgiveness. Jesus will not turn anyone away. You just need to ask. And then tell a Christian of your decision. Tell someone you know that's a Christian about what you've done. So that they can help you and point you towards Jesus. Talk to people here. Talk to people at the church. And then you too can enjoy the certainty of life with Jesus. None of us have to do it on our own. We have a loving Heavenly Father who promises that he will be with us always. If we're fearful or frightened about life or about death, we have Jesus to help us and to guide us. His love can cast out fear, cast out the fear that we hold in our hearts. But we have to give ourselves 
unreservedly to him. He cannot give all that he has unless we're willing, unless we desire that indwelling for ourselves. Jesus coming as a baby was amazing in so many ways. But what happened as a result of that was even more amazing. Jesus gave each of us the chance to make a choice for him. A choice to live differently. A chance to live free from the burden of sin. A chance to live our lives not on our own, but with the Holy Spirit inside each one of us. A chance to share the good news of Jesus and to help set others free. So it's right to look forward to Jesus coming again and be ready for that. But most important of all is to recognize that we're actually living in the most significant of all times. We are so incredibly blessed. We live with the reality of Jesus in our midst. He's already come. He came as a baby and he grew up as a man and lived and died and rose again for us to break the power of sin, to give us new life, new hope, new purpose. And not only that, but we have the Holy Spirit within each of us. Each of us who've made that commitment to Christ. We have it all. God's plan has been revealed. We know who Jesus is, and through him we know the Father. And we should know who we are in Christ as well. His beloved children, adopted into God's family. God is with us, living and dwelling within us. As Christians, we have a purpose. To love God, to love one another, and to love as he loved us. We just need to kind of do it. Last week I attended a board meeting at a Christian youth charity and the chaplain talked to us about why we do what we do and asked people to talk about what they had seen when they visited a hostel that the charity runs the previous evening. There were all sorts of positive words that were shared and talked about. But the words that came out most strongly were love and care. The workers gave love to those that needed help. They cared for those struggling to keep things together. Nikki, the chaplain, told the story of one of the guys that they'd met the previous evening. He struggled with drugs, was a heavy drinker, and he'd been been in trouble throughout his life with the authorities. But But he had found love. He had been treated with love and care and respect for the first time. And this enabled him to change. He now helped others as a volunteer. He was now the coordinator for many others who care and support the needy across several sites throughout London. He had heard the gospel and seen it in action. And that's what so many people need to see today. Now is the time to live and love, motivated by our desire to live for Christ and to share the gospel, not just in words, but in actions. Sometimes those actions will be personal and practical, and sometimes they'll be giving money to help others to do the frontline work, to work with youth, to work with the elderly, to work in our community, to work with those suffering and those that need to hear the gospel. Maybe this is also something that we need to consider as we launch our annual gift day today using our resources for the benefits of others. Maybe also 
Our prayer should be the same as Paul's. And may the Lord make us increase and abound in love for one another and for all. And may he so strengthen our hearts in holiness that we may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. This Advent, let us individually and collectively put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light that we might shine in the darkness to the glory of God and love those for whom the Saviour came and will come again. Amen. Thank you.